Welcome to the Mindful Soul Center podcast. My name is Amy Adams, and I'm your host and guide on this journey today. We go through all these varying emotions from low to high. But it's you experiencing these emotions that get you to the next level to create what it is that you want by hanging out in this uh, neutral place of hope. Because hope feels better than frustration. Hope feels better than anger. But when you have the energy that is fueled by the anger, the passion, it helps to move that energy in a space so you can see what it is that, that you wish to create next. today's episode, I interview Hillis Pugh, author of Awaken with Gratitude. He is a soul mentor, energy facilitator, a Lemurian light worker, and Reiki master. He is also a psychic medium. I'm so glad to welcome him today. In part one, we'll discuss gratitude more intimately. And then in part two, we discuss energy work, his work as a soul mentor, and energy facilitator. Before we get started, I have some news and updates. So I wanted to let you know a few things if you don't know that Mindful Soul Center magazine is out. Our September-October issue is the most current one. And our next issue comes out on November 1st, and that is for November and December. We have moved to a new platform, so it's easier to read on your phone, which was kind of challenging with the other platform, but I'm really excited about it. Uh, we may have a few links that might not work. Um, you know, We're still working on updating the magazines went through the transition because there's five issues that have been moved over. If you have any issues with the issues, ha ha ha, <laughs> feel free to email me. You can send an email to hello at the Mindful Soul Center, or you can simply record a message. When you go to our website, there is a voicemail recording button. I'd really love to hear from you. Now, if you like this podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And the reason being, of course, we want you to follow and listen all the time because we have great guests and interesting and valuable information. But the algorithms, however they work, reviews mean something. So in order for other people to even be able to find this podcast, it's important that people leave reviews. So please leave a review. And I thank you. Now, let's get started. I want to just welcome you, Hillis. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. It's a great pleasure to be here with you online. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love technology because we get to have all these amazing conversations from, you know, we can really get people to uh, communicate, which we didn't have. I mean, it was just so much slower in the past. <laughs> so. <Yeah>. Telephones, <laughs> letters, 
you know, yeah. signals. <laughs> I miss letters, though, I have to say. I actually just wrote something today where I was encouraging people to write letters sometimes because I think everyone, every once in a while, likes the old-fashioned letter in the mail. <laughs> so. Me too. It, me too. And it's interesting that you bring that up because I recently re reconnected with my stepfather who used to write me letters and was an amazing uh, artist. He can draw like all my favorite cartoon characters growing up as a kid. He had amazing calligraphy. So just to see that artwork lost or transition into something else is, is mind blowing sometimes. Yeah. So, um, all right. So now I think, um, I know that I read one of your books, but I think you have a few books, right? So I do have the one and then I have uh, previously to that, I have my poetry books, which can be found on my website. But the baby is my the one that's out now. And that is Awakening with Gratitude. Awaken with Gratitude. Awaken. Oh, sorry. Awaken with Gratitude. I asked Hillis to tell us a little bit about how he was inspired to share the message of gratitude with the world. My inspiration for this book, Awaken with Gratitude, began back in 2008 when the recession of the states in the U.S. was, uh, you know, coming to a head. And for most small business owners, because at the time I had my own small business uh, marketing and graphic design company where I catered to small businesses. And in that respect, small businesses were the first ones to be hit by the recession here in the States. And when the recession hit, people considered marketing and branding and advertising and graphic design, things like that, a business luxury, not a need. Mm -hmm. And so with that conscious shift, it waned in my business. So my clients was like, oh, I can't afford this. Or I can't afford that anymore because of, you know, they had to pay the bills and I wasn't a necessity. Mm -hmm. And so with the ongoing of that trend, it really had to really make, I had to really evaluate what it is that I had to do as a business owner and really had to take stock in what's important to me, what do I value? And when that came into play, I had to recognize what are my needs? What are my necessities? How am I going to get by? Because that was how I was getting by. You know, where's my class? What's the day to day? And so my thought process had to shift. And one, being one person, you know, one, being the only child, you know, and two, being kind of catered to as I was growing up, it really didn't sink in, you know, living on my own, making everything, paying the bills easily, no worries, no concerns, nothing. Yet there was still a sense of pride in what I did and what I have accomplished. So for me to ask my family and friends for financial help, it was really challenging for me to do so. Mm -hmm. But yet at the same time, it allowed me to step into a new place of courage, a new place of confidence to ask for this financial help. So when I received the financial help, and even at times, I would go over to my family's house and I would visit and my aunt would look at me. You know, the look that a mother or family member gives. They say, you know, I know you need something. Why don't you just say it? 
or my, I was just like, here, she would just give me, you know, a couple of hundred dollars. It's like, here, go take care of whatever you need to take care of it. And through that, it really helped me to find my voice and to ask him for what it is that I wanted from my family. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until Thanksgiving of 2008 where it really solidified for me that I had a lot to be thankful for that year. And I took for granted that one particular holiday where I would go to the family's house the night before Thanksgiving, help prepare the meal for the next day. And in the moment where we give thanks, it was really hit home that, you know, if it wasn't for my friends, my family who supported me both financially and lovingly, that it was, I probably wouldn't have made it in that year to, for me to help get me on my feet. Mm-hmm. So that was the catalyst. That was the inspiration for me sharing the little moments that are in that are expressed in the book, Awake Up with Gratitude, that we find ourselves taking for granted most of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know sometimes, yeah, we don't even realize how good it is sometimes until it's not. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and actually, that's the challenging time, too, when we sometimes, that's really when we probably need gratitude the most, but it's really hard to... Uh, do it unless we create that habit so that was a lesson that i had to learn myself as well which was really a challenge at times you know, i was really great that you were able to learn how to receive also because this is like a part of gratitude i think that a lot of people don't think about learning to receive is really it's like you have to learn how to do it but like well, there's just something that my grandmother used to say all the time too and i really like this because sometimes it was hard for me too she said when somebody gives you something just say thank you <laughs> you know, really simple <laughs> that was it just simple 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 and so I always try to remember that because I sometimes I would get uncomfortable like even receiving something even though I might have needed it you know yeah, like, even, it, yeah even if it's something as small as a compliment and, yes you know exactly. it, you know just simply say thank you and and that's how it starts is for our ability to receive or whatever capacity because being someone who frequently gives finds it more challenging. It's like, I'm not worthy to receive. I can't receive. It's not in me to receive whatever it is that I've asked for. And this is how uh, the law of attraction comes into play with this as well. Because when we think of balancing the scales, you know, we give and we receive. You know, if one outweighs the other, then you have to find a counterbalance, a counterweight to allow for that to come in. And so that's when we allow ourselves to receive or in other terms, reciprocity, the exchange of energy. Because, mm-hmm. and the reason why I bring that up particularly because in the uh, Andean culture, there is a term that means gratitude. There's a term that means reciprocity. It's a term that is one with the universe, and that term is called Ani, A-Y-N-I. It's an old Quechua word, I believe, dating back to the 13th or 14th century, maybe even before then, to where this culture already had that ingrained in their, in their everyday life. Right. And it's beautiful to see and to feel and to understand that that energy this exchange. So once you offer your thanks, once you offer your prayers, once you offer this energy, more of it comes back to you. But the question is, are you able to really receive and see it? 
Mm-hmm. There's something that happens too, though, because this, this is kind of like the little tricky mind game that we can get mm-hmm. into sometimes when we are, I mean, so you hear this kind of rule or law that when you give that you receive back even more. But then there is a part of us or kind of maybe our shadow side even, who is we want to give without expectations, right? To be kind of pure in our giving. But our egos or our shadow can even get a little tripped up with that because, um, you know, we might even not uh, consciously or even like consciously it might even come into our mind, oh, well, you know, if I do this, I'm going to get something. It's like that whole, uh, I don't know, maybe you could speak about that a little bit because I know you talk about it in your book a bit. Yeah, <laughs> but- exactly. Yeah, I do touch on that in the book as well about the ability to come into the awareness, the consciousness of receiving. And yes, you know, when we have this belief and most of us know if we're, most of the religious teachings speak about if you give, then what you receive back is threefold. But that's only if you firmly believe in that. And you can't give or unconsciously give and expect to receive back threefold if you don't believe it. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the missing piece for most people is the fact that they don't believe in what they receive or believe what they put out there they're going to give back. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's just you know for example there have been many times where I've given money to homeless people on the street mm-hmm. and there have been times I said I hope they don't go buy liquor with it, or I hope they don't go buy drugs but I hope they don't do this and so it's not my business what they do with what I give right my business is what I give and my business is what I receive so when I have received money or ideas or opportunities because I have given up myself freely, it's because I believe that I was going to get something back. And mm-hmm. so that's the key component is having belief. But yet when you give is to release the attachment of the idea of what's going to happen when you give. It's not mm-hmm. up to you what's going to happen to you or to the individual or to anyone else who is the recipient of the gift. It only matters that you believe enough in what you give to receive back what you have given. Yeah. You also talk about like our identity in your book as well. And I guess that kind of ties in because if we have, we have kind of beliefs about ourselves. And, and who we are in the world. And sometimes those beliefs don't even come from us. They come from other people. And then we believe them because uh, maybe we're, <laughs> you know, we get yeah. attached to that, which is a whole other thing. But I think when we kind of get caught up in that idea of like who we are, who we're supposed to be, what we're supposed to do. And, and it can get confusing for our whole personality um, to be kind of mixed up in this stuff. And so sometimes we, we do things that we're, not even really being like true to ourselves. And so maybe we're even giving somebody something without, um, because we think we're supposed to. Right. Out of obligation. Something like that. Yeah. Instead of out of just like your heart saying, okay, I'm going to do this for this person or, you know, anonymously or even not anonymously, but, um, Anyway, I don't know if I'm making any sense, but... <laughs> no, yeah, totally. And so, what, so what it is, boils down to, Amy, is that when we 
give an obligation, meaning that someone did us a favor mm -hmm. and they put an expectation on it. They expected us to return the favor. They expected us to fulfill our end of the bargain. They have all these different levels of expectation they put on us. However, when we put our expectation on another person, it's in essence, we are not in alignment. We are not in the flow of the genuine gift that will come. It is, uh, how do you say, uh, this expectation of you're going to do this for me because I did that for you. And it's very ego driven, very non, uh, I can't think of the word, but it, it's, it's that energy that you know you feel when it could be at a you know lower vibrating frequency mm -hmm. of when you set that expectation. It's like, I did this for you and I expect this to happen for me because I went on, out on a limb. It's like that desperate energy, that desperate right. sense of expectation that we put on another. And then if we go through our whole life carrying even just that one piece, more of it builds on, so it skews our definition of who we are. Mm -hmm. So there is lack of clarity in our physical being, in our physical presence, in our physical identity, in our spiritual and energetic space. Like, who am I? Am I one who just reacts to everything? Am I one who just steps into this whole space of, okay, I'm just going to give what I can give and, and and just be okay with that? Because, you know, if I don't give, someone's going to be mad at me. Someone's going to hate me. Someone's is not going to love me for being, me not being able to live up to this person's expectations when, in fact, you're lowering your own expectations. Yeah, I don't even know how we got to that place. Like with as like we're when we're born, we don't really have all of these like ideas, you know. And they were, I guess, we're just um, bombarded with like so much from television and from our families and from culture, and uh, that we that get makes so for skewed. good television. All the drama. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. But we watch all the drama because sometimes I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm getting older. But as I watch some of the drama as I'm getting older, I think, wow, I can't even. Believe believe that people worry about some of this stuff but you know. yes exactly it's in, <laughs> and it goes back to the energy of the, the law of attraction it goes back to that space of creating contrast in which in that time of my life that I spoke of earlier mm -hmm. there's a lot of contrast and if we don't have that level of contrast and they're putting people giving them expectations and all this other lower vibrating, lower vibrating energy, what else could we stop in to have expressed gratitude for? If we don't have the contrasting energy to feed the thoughts, to feed our desires, to put us in a space of, I know what I want now. I know what I'm focused on now. I know what I have to do to deliver, to create what it is that I would choose to create now for me in this space by experiencing the contrast of what I don't want. Okay, but is, is there a place, though, that you can get to where in, like, a kind of higher vibration where you're kind of just creating uh, without having to create, like, a big contrast to have gratitude where you're just keep kind of, ex like, expanding um, and through creativity without having to have drama? There is, and I talk about it sometimes in the seminars that I teach. And I call it hanging out in hope. Mm 
<laughs> and the reason why I call it hanging out and hope because we hope for something better, but we also don't want anything worse. Right. So when we're hanging out in hope, we're hanging out there wanting better and wanting more and wanting our desires to take off and wanting our dreams to be fulfilled. And yet at the same time, we step into a place of, okay, I get what's wrong here. I get what's happening here. I understand why I'm frustrated. I don't like being frustrated, but it makes me angry and I get upset. And then you go through all these varying emotions from mm -hmm. low to high. But it's you experiencing these emotions that get you to the next level to create what it is that you want by hanging out in this uh, neutral place of hope. Mm -hmm. Because hope feels better than frustration. Hope feels better than anger. But when you have the energy that is fueled by the anger, the passion, it helps to move that energy in the space so you can see what it is that, that you wish to create next. Uh -huh. Especially, I guess, if you're stuck, if you're feeling stuck, which a lot of times I think because we're bombarded with stuff, a lot of people feel stuck because they feel like, oh, well, I want to do this, but, you know, it's not so easy sometimes to change your life even or to fulfill, you know, because we do have the expectations from outside of us, like parents' expectations of even like some people I know, I mean, it's probably, I don't know if it's so bad for everyone, but I mean, there are people who kind of grow up where they're expected to be because their dad or their mom was uh, in a certain occupation or in a certain field, they're supposed to kind yeah. of go in that field or that kind yeah. of thing too. It's, so it gets, it's that, yeah, it's that family trauma, that family dynamic that we yeah. step into to this is what I did, this is what your brother did, this is what your grandfather did, you have to do it too. So mm -hmm. it's, it's transposing that energy onto another. Yeah, so how do you think that people could kind of rise above that though, like and really be true to themselves? And so Amy, the best way for people to really step into a space to rise above the law of vibrating energy or the neutral space of hanging out in hope is to really step into the emotion, really step into the energy of what it is that you are feeling. Because when you step into this space of hope and love, and when you start to ascend into the higher levels of joy and, and creation, you're just moving the energy. And that's what it's all about uh, with gratitude. When you express gratitude and you give things, you're just simply moving the energy, moving the energy to step into a better feeling place. And so, for example, one of the best practices that I offer is when you are not feeling your best or in the best space is to start off in the morning with what I like to call a thank you, ma'am page. Mm -hmm. And what this is, is to, you can do it anytime, anywhere, but personally, I do it in the morning because it helps me to get my day going is that I just give gratitude, give thanks for what I have in that day. Like, for example, I say, thank you for this water that I'm taking a shower with. Thank you for this soap. Thank you for this toothpaste. Thank you for this toothbrush. Thank you for, you know, the breath of life. And then it starts to just as you go for to focus in on the physical things in your space, you begin to expand into the non-physical, into the energy of what is and then you say thank you for the sun and thank you for the moon and thank you for the stars thank you for the energy that has created me thank you for the space so we need to get into that space it becomes almost second nature to express mm -hmm. gratitude yeah 
I know. I, th I think that's actually a great goal for people to have because we are kind of goal oriented. And then, you know, for people <laughs> to like, I mean, it's, it's such a simple thing to do, but it's so easy to forget about even too. So I, I, it's a good thing in the morning to have that as a practice too. And then I like that you're starting with like the very simple things because sometimes when you're feeling like really badly, it's really hard to find something, even if it's, you know, even if it's right in front of you, you don't even see it sometimes. Yes, so. exactly. You know, <laughs> especially getting over this cold. It's, it's like, thank you for the medicine that I had to help rejuvenate me. Thank you for the moments that I had to rest so I can recover. Thank you for the moment that I have to really allow myself to be present, to sit with this space and this energy to be well. And uh I appreciate the feeling of being well. I appreciate the feeling of being 100% me. I appreciate the feeling that I have in this body when I am well. So when you, you step into that space, you create this energy. And just with the law of attraction, the energy that you put out there, it has no choice but to yield and come back mm -hmm. to you because it's like, I want to be well. I am well. I am well. So the universe is like, okay, well, he's well. He's not sick anymore. Let's give him energy to be well. Right, right. No, but I was just thinking because I think, you know, when, when you're sick or at least when I'm sick or I think time, you know, like this whole idea of time of like the, our concept of time, we feel like when we're sick that time is very long and extended and you know and sometimes when we're feeling really good it seems like it's going too fast <laughs> so, <laughs> you know? it's so funny that you, you talk about that because i do talk about it in the book as well about time and it's interesting it, when i'm when i'm usually get some sort of flu cold what have you for me it usually usually lasts two to four days max that's it and then i'm i'm like 100 percent but it's interesting this time because it was, I believe it was over the weekend and I just slept the whole day. Mm. And it's like, how beautiful is it for me just to lay in this bed <laughs> and rest? How often do I have the opportunity just to lay in this bed and rest? Mm -hmm. How often is it, do I get to enjoy the warmth of these covers and feel the love of those around me? And it's, it's just, it was a beautiful experience to, to just lay there and <laughs> do nothing. <laughs> you are grateful. Then do you have like a favorite gratitude quote or, uh, or a favorite, I don't know, some either a quote or a book or a person or something that you want to share uh, with the audience about gratitude and the law of attraction? You know, honestly, I don't have a favorite quote. But I do follow Abraham Hicks. I follow Miriam Williamson. I follow Dr. Michael Beckwith. Mm -hmm. I follow Neil Donald Walsh. I follow uh, Greg Bratton. You know, all of those people. Because right, when, right. I, when I started my path back in 2008, and when I went on a book shopping spree, I, not, I, went, I was at Borders maybe twice a month. And one time I even walked out with 10 books. I'm like, why am I walking out with all these books? And I... And, those people really resonated with me. They really stuck with me. They really helped me to see mm -hmm. the path that I'm on much clearer than, uh, than anything else because it is in that space that I truly am connected to to help guide others with what they have guided me. So I'm appreciative of that space that they have 
creative and for me to follow. Right. A lot of times they're even telling us the same thing, but we need to hear it in different ways until it can yeah. really seep into our being so yeah. that we can can even then uh, get it and then help other people. So, And what sets Hillis apart in his messaging is something very special. One of the things that I noticed in your book, which I really liked, which was very different because a lot of books, like even from uh, all of the people that you mentioned, they don't do something that you do. You use poetry to uh, come give your message. Not, not through the entire book. It's not a book of poems. There are poems in it. And I will include one of them in the show notes too so you can uh, have an idea of what it is um, for the listeners who want to take a, a peek. So um, why do you use poetry to kind of teach the ideas of gratitude? Well, well Amy, poetry is my first love. It has always been my first love, always, you know, back when I was a teenager. And it, for me, it was an outlet to express unsaid emotions or to convey feelings for or to another individual. And it was just the best way to connect. Mm-hmm. And when I started writing the book, it really helped me to understand because we're, you know, most people are right brain dominant. Or is it left? I always get those two mixed up. And so the reason I'm not why sure. <laughs> when I wrote the book, it it was with the intent to incorporate the portion. So you have both left and right brain working together mm-hmm. to really fully understand and, and incorporate the message of gratitude. Because some people are more analytical minded, so they read the theme, they read the entry. It's like, oh, I get that. I understand that. And then you have other people who are more creative and more abstract thinking. Mm-hmm. And they read the poetry. She said, that's so beautifully said. I get the message of where he's going with this. Mm-hmm. And so then those who are either left or right, but down there, they read everything. They read it together. They can receive the whole message in its entirety and not just half of it, just not one piece of it. Oh, that's beautiful. I asked Hillis to read us one of his poems. He obliged us with Remedy. Creating a Cure through a network of like minds, finding strength in the weak, weary, and humble. Seeding minds of the new, passing energy of faith and vigilant intent, growing stronger than the strongest and better than the best, knowing the cause of the root problem or situation. Mind fragmentation through this a solver is born. The resolution soon to dilute the pieces of knowledge, regain and claim what is right and lost as we breathe the air to sacrifice the natural flow to disrupt whose life. Taking shelter in the arms of grace, finding comfort, finding answers to humanity, revolving to a new sanity, The remedy to self being, who are you? What are you built for? The remedy of solutions is self-searching. Perch high to all eyes can view to relevant who has a clue. Once again, many problems caused by then go back and cover up and clean up the mistakes. Only one solution 
follow the heart, follow the path of giving and the will be solved together to live life, to lose life and each other. God, one remedy, one solution. Thank you for sharing that with everyone. Oh no, you're welcome. It is always a great honor to to express the words that have been written, the words that are always have come through for me to really step into a new space to express the thoughts, the energy that are connected to all there is. So something else that you say um, is that you consider that life is a transition versus a journey. What do you mean by that? So life as a transition instead of a journey. So when we choose to incarnate here on this planet, it's a choice. It's a mm-hmm. choice for us to live this human experience, to evolve to a greater sense of self, greater awareness of self. So when we incarnate in a physical form, everything that we have learned, contrast and our desires, they all culminate to the experience of self-evolution, self-actualization of mm-hmm. who we are. So that's the transitional piece of the choice to evolve from a form of energy to physical form back into non-physical to share the experiences with the collective consciousness. And when we say the word journey, journey has more of a linear meaning, more of a linear uh, construct as opposed to transition, which is, (laughs) as opposed to transition, which is a cycle, which is, you know, we, the only piece that is not a part of this continuous cycle is the moment we are born from creative source energy. That moment there in itself cannot repeat. However, once we are incarnated into the energy, we go through the process of growing up into energy, and we then make the choice to evolve or to transition to come into physical form to experience this physical life, whether it's on this planet or another planet or whatever the soul decides to choose, then we go into that space-time energy to have that experience to evolve into uh, back into non-physical to share the experiences with the collective and then go back and do the whole thing all over again so it's a continuous cycle. Now we're just going to take a short break before we move into part two of the interview with Hillis. That seemed like a good place to kind of transition into the topic of webs of joy, energy work, and healing. The Mindful Soul Center podcast was created for the mindful souls who are on a personal evolutionary journey. It explores a variety of topics, including health and wellness, yoga, healing, art, journaling, self-esteem, personal development, energy healing, social justice issues, and more. Search the Mindful Soul Center. Their goal is to offer you the tools and resources you can use. So if you want to vibrate higher, engage in discussion, be inspired, read and listen, and share stories about life on earth, and get the support and help you need to support you in your personal evolution, then go check out the Mindful Soul Center podcast many episodes up for you to listen to already and make sure you subscribe to be notified of future releases that's the mindful soul center podcast go listen download and subscribe today
You can also connect on Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest at The Mindful Soul Center and follow on Twitter at Mindful Soul CTR. You use some really great, uh, there's some interesting language that you use, actually. You're talking about like energy work and everything, right. which is, you know, a lot of people know about energy work. And if any of our listeners don't know about energy work, um, you can check out my website and you can also uh, check out Hillis's website because there'll be lots of information on both of them and I'll put that in the show notes. I mean, basically our bodies are made of energy. It's kind of our essence. There's all kinds of things that affect it. And so it's light waves and chakras and sound forms and vibrations. But I loved was um, some, and I don't, not even sure in what context, because I just wrote this down. I just thought it was amazing. Webs of joy. <laughs> I want to know about webs of joy. Let's start with webs of joy. <laughs> so. Webs of joy is, you know, sometimes I write so many things, I forget <laughs> things that I write about. And so webs of joy, wow, that just brings joy to me, just even speaking and, 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 and hearing that term. I should use that more often. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so webs of joy, as it is defined, is... You know how a spider uh, makes their web. You know, it starts off in the center, but then just ripples out. Mm -hmm. So there's no really one defined point. There's no one defined moment. Everything, all the webbing that makes the web is all connected by different points. And so the web of joy is this giant web and you have all these intersecting webbing, these intersecting lines, these pieces that connects one joy to another. Mm -hmm. And when you speak of it in the law of vibration, where the law of attraction comes out of, is that when you have one moment of joy, the other moment of joy is not far behind. Simply saying that, you know, as I talked about in the part one, is that when we have what I call the thank you rampage, it's also in essence creating that web of joy because you start off you know, at one point, thank you for waking me up this morning. Thank you for me being able to breathe. Thank you for this. So you start off with that one point. It just creates more and more and more and more and more and more and more points mm -hmm. to express appreciation for for that day. Mm -hmm. And so you carry that with you, and it just grows and gets bigger, and then it gets bigger, and then more points and more points. So it's this giant rub of joy right. that you create. <laughs> I really like that a lot. I was like, and then there was actually something though that I didn't understand. And it was um, because I know like, because I, uh, there's, I mean, a lot of times when somebody goes to, uh, we'll get a little bit more into like details of what you do, but like when somebody goes to have like an energy healing, um, there's like sound healing. And then, uh, so people might be a little more familiar with that because there's like singing bowls or even kind of mantras or even music. I mean, any kinds of like sound uh, can have a very positive impact on people and it can also have a negative impact on them as well, depending on what they're listening to. Um, I mean, even like, unfortunately, some governments even use it as methods of torture. They know, you know, what frequencies and stuff uh, are bad. But I think one of the things that's kind of interesting about that too, though, is because uh, I know I'm going to go on my own little rampage here for a second, but... <laughs> <laughs> but it's with uh, like sound and color, like in light, they are on um, various uh, spectrums. And then because we're human beings in a physical body, we are not able to see them 
a lot, we can only see a very limited view of things. And it, uh, it, in, and, same, and we can also only hear a limited um, amount of sounds. And we, we know this uh, through science and also because you can even look at other species like a dog has an incredible uh, ability to hear sounds at great distances and they can hear things that we just can't because they have different structures of their ears and all that kind of stuff. So I think like this, you know, so some people might be kind of a little more familiar with that kind of idea, but then you had also um, mentioned something called like infrared bands, and I wasn't really sure about what that was. Infrared or infrared? Oh, infrared. I thought it was infrared, but okay, infrared. <laughs> it's me, my reading skills. <laughs> infrared, in infrared bands. Okay, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so what infrared is, is an unseen energy like most other energies, but can be felt more than anything presently right now. And mm -hmm. uh, with the present shifts that are happening on the planet, it is a very cleansing energy. Mm -hmm. So infrared is, let's say if you have, the best way to describe it is if you have an electric stove. And if you have an electric stove, then most of the energy that comes off of it is infrared because it conducts heat. Mm -hmm. And so it's the energy that is felt, it's the energy that is uh, to help purify the physical and non-physical space. It depends on, on how it's being used for that purpose. Uh-huh. Okay. So, um, all right. And then, well, actually, so maybe you could tell us a little bit because I know that um, from what I learned about your other healing types of things, I really like that you also um, think about our kind, you know, when people come to deal with trauma or different issues or problems, um, like, you're really interested in helping them come to terms with themselves and uh, be accepting of themselves and have self-love. And I like that you're, you refer to it as, um, and yourself as a nourisher, you're like nourishing people versus um, like, you're not just putting like a bandaid on them. Correct. So. <laughs> <laughs> and I use that term purposely because if my the title that I have given myself is soul mentor, uh, soul mentor, and energy facilitator. Mm -hmm. So what that means is the reason why I purposely stay away from the term healer or healing implies that we are broken and that we need to be fixed. Mm -hmm. That's like. If you're going out to have your car repaired or any other mode of transportation or anything that is broken around your home, you have to fix it. Right. So in essence, say, I need a healer. Someone come heal me implies that you're broken and you need to be fixed. Right. And in actuality, in essence, no one is ever broken. No one needs to be fixed. They all just need the proper nourishment for the physical and non-physical body. So when we step into the space of nourishing, because I am an energy facilitator, uh -huh. and I explain to people that I am not the one who's actually allowing the body to be nourished. It is you, the person who was asked for this. It's just mm -hmm. me as I connect the bridge to your soul 
to your guides, to anyone who is here to assist you in non-physical form and their pure energy to provide you with what you have asking for to lift, to remove, to allow for new energy to flow into the physical space. Mm -hmm. And so the term nourisher and nourishment really implies for the energy that I allow myself to bring in and through to assist you to nourish and to allow the trauma, the shame, the pain, the guilt, the anger, the fear, everything that you've been harboring, everything that people have been holding on to for so many years allows that energy and that space to be totally free and clear. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like the word facilitator too, because I actually struggled with something that I do. I teach some meditation and I don't like the word teacher because I had a lot of um, ideas about what a teacher is. And I think like being a facilitator, you're helping somebody along on the path and, and sharing what you know with them and then allowing them to create their own practice. It's not, um, you're not like a, the, you know, be all and end all person. I think that that's where a lot of times, sometimes people who are teachers, it, it, sometimes people give their power away to their teachers. Yes. You know, so I really love facilitator. I, for me personally, I think that really is a beautiful way to, um, because it takes the whole thing out of it. Cause that's really, you're just helping somebody. It doesn't mean that you're like the, you know, the guru or whatever. And not, and not that a guru is a bad word or anything, but I just, I think when pe people tend to, they can give their power to someone else because they feel overburdened or something sometimes. Yeah. Yes. And when, it's interesting because when people, clients come to me asking to be healed and use that word, I explain to them what it is that I do. Mm -hmm. And when you create that space that and redefine the mindset. It really allows for greater ease in allowing the energy that comes in to do what you have asked for it to do. Yeah, and I also, I'm, I'm in agreement with you on the you are not broken thing because I can, you know, all right, you break your leg maybe, and then you get a cast, but generally our, our personalities, our beingness is not broken. We're just what we are in the moment. <laughs> and so, yeah, yes, and we're evolving and changing. <laughs> so Exactly. And one yeah. of my favorite quotes, actually, that I just, actually not one of my favorites, but it's one of my most recent quotes that I'm learning to appreciate more and more every day because it's giving me a new perspective on awareness of self and myself. Mm -hmm. And that quote is, we are where we are because of where we are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one to think about. Everyone think about that. I'll put that one in the show notes too. So you don't, so you can refer back to it. <laughs> so we are where we are because of where we are. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a tricky one I, because a lot of people, um, including myself, I mean, so, not always, like luckily I, sometimes I'm able to overcome this, but you know, the acceptance of where we're at is really tough sometimes depending on certain circumstances. Um, um, something that I heard somebody say recently, and I unfortunately I can't remember his name right now, um, but he was talking about beliefs and he was saying that 
that our beliefs are our beliefs and that, um, that then there is something else that's the truth. Sometimes there's the truth and there are two separate things and what our beliefs are and what the truth is. So I like that he kind of differentiated between the two of them because um, we then sometimes think that our beliefs are the truth and that's not really the case all the time. Yes, uh, exactly. This, to put it into context, to put that, which you just said, it's a great context, I will express the great contrast that we have seen here in the States, and it is the president. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he believes what he believes, and no one can tell him different because he's the president. He believes he has an ultimate power and, and can do whatever he can do no wrong. This all of this bravado, all of this ego energy mm-hmm. behind him motivates him and drives him into his own belief system. And I could say the same for anyone who has a very strong belief system. They believe what they believe because they believe it. Right. You can put that one in the show notes too. They believe what they believe because <laughs> they believe it. They believe what they believe because they believe it. And, and there's no way to possibly change their mind. Mm-hmm. However, you know, if you ever, you know, watching the other news broadcast, you see in truth, it's like, okay, this is what Donald Trump said. This is what he tweeted. This is, you know, fact check and this, this, and this, and this. And then over here, it's like, this is what it actually is. This is the actual truth. Mm-hmm. This is what it actually means. Right. And so you have to have, be your own internal fact checker. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I actually think that it, it gets kind of confusing because I think he kind of like brought uh, it to the forefront, I think, for people to really be conscious of this kind of like uh, fake news kind of stuff. But I, I found for my own self that I'm even things that I know are true that are really like scientific facts even sometimes I'm like rechecking them because I'm worried that I'm going to misstate something because um you know there's this kind of like insidious doubt in my mind now to like do be extra diligent to check my facts because you know we're there's all these kinds of different things that get posted and they're not true. <laughs> so yes, it's really yeah, crazy. <laughs> so. Yeah. So you, you end up being your own source in terms of what you believe. Mm-hmm. And when I work with my clients, you know, I go through a process with them to be sure that you understand how this works. You understand that you are responsible and that you understand that no matter what, this is you doing the work. You allowing the energy, not I. And when there's that, that space of understanding, there's a greater shift of responsibility, a greater shift in them taking their power back. For example, there was a client of mine who has seen many people, you know, as most of us often do, we go looking for people. Can you help me with this problem? Can you help me with this problem? I need help with this problem. I don't know what else to do. Uh, and so you get all frantic and overwhelmed because you, most people feel lost. Mm-hmm. So when she came to me, she was like, Hillis, I don't know what else to do. I have this fear and it is just ruling my life and I don't know how to get past this. And I've seen so many other people and they can't seem to help me. And I want to know if you can help me. And I'm like, 
yeah, I'll give it a shot. I don't know that sure exactly what I'm working with or what it is that you want me to do or see or feel or know that you already don't. And so in the session that we conducted, I took her back to her childhood. And there was a moment in her childhood that lasted no more than five minutes. Mm. Five minutes of her childhood ruled the entire rest of her life. Yeah. And so we worked together to eliminate that fear, that trauma that had, was established in those five minutes. Yeah, that's amazing too, that like uh, something so simple can have a profound effect on us and then we forget about it because we don't remember. I mean, I mean, obviously we don't really forget about it because it's in our subconscious mind, but, <laughs> but <laughs> we don't realize that that's the thing that's ruling us, that we're, you know, coming back to that. And then um, something else that was kind of interesting, too, that I had heard recently by a guy, Peter Levine. He's a, a kind of famous um, psychologist from California. That's so I, I don't really know all the details about him. But he was talking about um, you can't be traumatized and curious at the same time. No, so that makes perfect sense. Yeah. And it was like, because basically we're like defensive a lot of times. And then when, because he was saying that this, when it puts it in our, um, us in our kind of like fight or flight mode, you know, and then we're brought right back to like some kind of thing, like that our parents told us or that we believed from, you know, when we're little or something sometimes it just like when somebody, you know, like a triggering thing, but I just thought it was just such a good, uh, a kind of a great way to um, like think about, like to remember that we do have these kind of beliefs that are that are not even up in our conscious mind. If they were in our conscious mind, we could get rid of them, <laughs> probably. Right. Yes, and I just wanted to just clarify one thing because I know that before you talked about conscious and subconscious, mm-hmm. and through the years of me writing and through the years of working with clients, it has really come to a level of being aware or not aware. Mm-hmm. There's only one conscious. It's only the conscious that we pay attention to. And the people say, oh, well, my subconscious told me. Say, like, no, your subconscious didn't tell you. That was the moment you was aware of something else that was going on in your mind and your brain, whether it was a memory or it was something that was happening in that moment and you wanted to react to it. So it's the level of awareness we bring to our consciousness in which we choose to live in that moment to react to something, to voice something, or to just say, okay, I get it. You know, one of those aha moments. Right, right, so right. That's, that's truly in essence what it is because, you know, throughout the years I've heard people say conscious, subconscious, superconscious. If there's only the one thing that we pay attention to, that's our mind, our brain, the energy in which we live in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. You have uh, this kind of little statement that I really like too. And it says, find what speaks to your soul. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I like that a lot. I mean, uh, what do you mean by that though? Like what, uh, maybe you could explain a little bit more for the audience too. So that quote there is actually from a book that we talked about in part one, Awakening with Gratitude. No, that actually came to me when I was working in corporate America. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and during that time in my life, most of us really don't 
you know, for a while we have the honeymoon phase where we love this job, we love what we do, we love this, we love it, they love everything about it. And over a period of time, it wanes and then it dissipates and it, it transforms to this gluttonous. And whatever the cause of that may be is your, your interpretation of why you fell out of love, fell out of joy with that creation, with that moment. And so when I say find what's, uh, what speaks to you is well, find, find your joy, find that moment, find things that you are happy about, even though you may be in an environment where it's not emotionally fulfilling, but you find what you love about it. And one mm-hmm. prime example of that for me is there was a job uh, way back when mm-hmm. <laughs> that all I did was wrote eight hours a day. You know, it wasn't the ideal writing job, but I got to write the whole entire day, eight hours a day, you know, and it was to help other businesses, to help them grow, to help them develop to market. So it was really satisfying that I got to stretch my thought process and how to write, how to create and do something different because being a creative mind, it's like, I don't want to do this linear, analytical, you know, whatever, but it's like, wait, I can still do it, but let me find my way to do it. So that's what I mean by that, to Uh find the joy, to find whatever makes you happy in whatever physical space you need. Yeah, I think if everybody did what they, you know, that they're good at and that makes them happy, it would be a much happier world and a lot less stress (laughs) in the world. So one thing that I do want to bring up to you, because this is something that I think we've talked about this like briefly uh, before we had our interview. But um, one thing that I struggle with, because um, sometimes there's uh, like energy healing and different things, even though a lot of it's based in scientific fact and um, and uh, there's been like sages and stuff that have, this is like ancient stuff. This isn't like brand new, people just made it up. Uh, so, but because it wasn't really studied in Western culture that much and is now more, but um, like now they're doing studies on Reiki and sound and all kinds of things. But one of the things that people think of this stuff as woo. So, uh, <laughs> so I just wanted to bring that up because I, I wanted like, how do you feel about that? And then also because like on your website, does anybody ever say anything to you? Because like on your website, which is very beautiful, this is like lots of really beautiful art on the website that I really like. I noticed like the different images that you have with your articles and things too. Um, but uh, like you're, you studied um, a kind of uh, healing modality, which is like from uh, and then it was like from the Syrian Council and Galactic Federation of Light, which is very, like, I don't know, it depends. Maybe some people never heard of that, but then a lot of people have heard of it too. So whoever's listening, if you have or have not heard of it, we're, I'll be asking Hills now to explain a little bit for us. So so we want to go back to the first term, uh, which is called woo. And honestly, I didn't hear that terminology until earlier this year. I was at an event. It was an opening for this space in New York City. A friend of mine was hosting. She asked, come on down. I think you're really beautiful from us. You know, a bunch of uh, professionals, uh, psychotherapists, and psychologists, and all these people, and mixed with a group of holistic practitioners that do Reiki and those forms of counseling. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I'll come down. And so 
I don't know how the conversation started, but she's like, yeah, we don't do any of that woo-woo stuff. And I'm like, woo-woo? What are you talking about, woo-woo? What is woo-woo? And so <laughs> I, I got home immediately and posted something on, on Facebook saying, when did spirituality become woo-woo? When did that happen? And to some my surprise, it was been going on for quite some time. And it is really surprising how generational this form of holistic health, this form of holistic nourishment, this form of energy embodiment is. You know, you have people who are older than I kind of believe in it, but to a certain extent. You have people that are my age who are all in, and you have the younger people who are kind of like sketchy about it. You have some people that like it, some people like, eh, I don't know. And so this whole woo-woo is, is generational. Uh-huh. And I am neutral about it. It's just, you know, being informed. And to your next point, where you talk about the Syrian and Galactic Councils, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you think of the universe as a governing body. It governs itself because of the energies that we have out there. But you have to have people to oversee the energy. Because energy is energy. It takes on the life itself. I mean, if you and I are sitting here in physical forms and energy, body, matter that is moving so slowly mm-hmm. that the eyes can see it, that everything is slowed down so much in physical to physical form to for us to have fun with it with our five senses, with our smell, with our eyes, with our hearing, with our taste and touch with the tangible. However, the non-physical energy, you know, that we don't see yet feel like the air, the sun that shines on our face, the water, well, the water we can see, but it is those energies. And sometimes even when we get chills or things that we are yet to explain in our physical space and why we have the sensation, it is that energy that is being governed by the higher energies. You know, such as uh, the Galactic Council and such as the Lemurian energy that I work with, the Syrians, the Lemurians, and, and how they help to govern and, and to facilitate the energy to make sure that it's being used properly. Mm-hmm. Well, I know some people have said, like, well, if there are some kinds of other, like, you know, councils or um, beings or something that are helping us or, you know, like through people and people being able to harness the energy or something like that. Um, then there are other people who say, well, um, well, how come they're not helping us more? (laughs) 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 We need more help. (laughs) No, it's it's interesting that you say that there has been so much help on this planet in the last seven, almost eight years now. It has just come, come in as different ways, different thoughts, different ideas. And most people who are in a liberal sense, it's like, well, if they were here to help, how come so-and-so got elected? Or why did this happen? And the reason being is that this whole planet in which we live on, you know, most people may not want to hear this or be ready to hear this, is that this is a school. This is a space of evolution, a space of growth. Mm-hmm. And so everything that happens in contrast 
to what we think, to what we feel, to what we know, to what we believe is in essence our lessons, our tests, everything that we simply allow to have happen to experience for us to grow. And the angels, the guides, the masters, anyone and everything that who we believe in are present, yet they don't have the governing authority, if you will, uh -huh. to intervene. Right. They can observe because we're energy. Everything is energy. In physical and non-physical form, it's all energy. And they do not intervene unless there's permission to intervene. And even if there's permission to intervene, it is only those that are closest to you, such as your loved ones, your soul family, your soul tribe on the other side mm -hmm. that, um, that can intervene. And even the ability for them to intervene is limited to mm -hmm. what you can do or what they can do. And if they do intervene, I do suggest anyone who's asking for prayers and to uh, pray in the right way or to ask for help in the right way and to give those access and permission to help you. Not just, mm -hmm. you know, uh, as we talked about before, is uh, it's hanging out in hope. You know, mm -hmm. we stand in a space of hanging out in hope, hoping for better, hoping for better, hoping for better, hoping for better, hoping for better. Oh, wait, is this better? And it simply lends itself to being, okay, you going back down on the ladder of being angry and frustrated because there's no help that you have asked for. But yet, it goes back to what we were talking about before, about our level of awareness and what we are paying attention to. And if we're paying attention to what we have asked for, has it shown up? Have we, have we received what we have asked for? And if we have, why didn't I see it? Mm -hmm. So it all goes back to it's all it's all this whole giant circle of awareness and what we are paying attention to to the level of consciousness in which we receive, whether if it's as little as asking for help or as little as or big as oh wanting a brand new life. So it's what it is. It's our focus, with our point of attention or attraction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and acceptance of what is. And I think sometimes we have to wait for, I mean, just because we say we want something. And first of all, sometimes, what is that saying? Like, don't, something about like, don't, you might get what you ask for and then you're not really happy when you get it. Exactly, so. yeah. You can't what you ask, but you just might get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, but also I think like uh, one of the things which in the kind of law of attraction idea is that, um, to be okay where we're at right now while we're waiting for the circumstances and you know sometimes it's like bigger forces than us that we can uh we can't just be snapping our fingers and expect things to change right <laughs> so. well in essence we are the force mm -hmm. that we're waiting for <laughs> in essence sometimes it can be as easy as snapping our fingers the hang-up is how we feel because what I teach is how to have that emotional connection to your thought. Because mm -hmm. the emotional connection to your thought is what is the driving force behind the, the manifestation, behind the energy, behind what it is that you are simply allowing in your life. And it's the whole energetic piece that most people miss. 
there was a good example of um, like an old belief, you know, this is kind of like a stereotypical belief or whatever, that money doesn't grow on trees, right? Well, one day I was walking down the street and um, it so happened that there's lots of, um, I live in a city environment, but there's many little small hedges along the apartment buildings. Yes. And uh, there was a bill on <laughs> laying on top of one of the edges and I said aha money does grow on trees <laughs> and I took it <laughs> so so I changed that belief just by yeah. seeing that it was kind of funny it was kind of like a joke of the universe I feel like they were like aha yeah. there you go <laughs> <laughs> At that time when that happened I was actually having a, a little bit of struggles so it was kind of a, a fun way that the universe just like provided something for me. <laughs> yeah, and that's how, that's how it works sometimes. It's for it to be random. It works in a space of really you opening up and being ready to receive. And this is what I teach most of all my clients, those who are, who are ready to receive this information and how to really adjust their thought, adjust their awareness. And that's part of what I do in sessions and one-on-ones with my clients is to really have a certain level of awareness of what it is that has created the seed that just grew over years of this trauma, this pain, this guilt, and everything that they've really didn't allow to take hold in their life and to find uh, the root cause, and that's what I specialize in, is helping to find root causes and to eliminate those before we can progress into more of the superficial aspects. Yeah, well, that's great. I'm so glad that you're doing this work, and um, and I'm really glad that you were uh, taking the time today to meet with me and have this interview. I appreciate it. On that note, can you just share your uh, website with everyone? And then, of course, I will also list that in the show notes and, you know, how to get in touch with Hillis and everything. But are you on Instagram, too, or anything? I'm on all social media. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so my website is Hillis Pugh dot com and that's h-i-l-l-i-s-p-u-g-h dot com there you can find more information about my book awaken with gratitude and where to purchase that you can also find the information about my holistic services from my psychic mediumship to the energy work that i do whether it's reiki or lemoyan like energy as well and all social media platforms so yeah everything's okay. there well, thank you so much for joining me today, Hillis. Thank you, Amy, for having me on this show. It's been a wonderful talk and really enlightening and even learned a few new things myself. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad everybody is listening. I hope we'll all learn together because that's like my one of my hashtags, learn with me. So. <laughs> <laughs> I really loved this conversation with Hillis and I hope you did too. You can find all his information on his website, hillispew.com. And be sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or get in touch with us. You can leave a message on our voice messaging found on the website, themindfulsoulcenter.com. Until next time. Namaste.